Welcome back to the Vero Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are here to bring you all the important views and outdated news from the beer world and not very far beyond. Um, first up on the docket, we have a new website that uh, Angus has dutifully put together. Yeah, we do. It took a while. Um, little lockdown project for me here in Melbourne. <laughs> Uh, looking very fresh and much more modern. I think it's a bit easier for people to find what they're looking for. Yeah, I, I've found that in my limited browsing because I'm, yeah, obviously more of a reader than a um, contributor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's much better. I like the new logo. I think it's all good. Everyone should go and have a quick look at that, I reckon. Yeah, and send us feedback because it was designed you know, in my head for what I thought was easier. But, um, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's for you guys. Yeah, so if there's anything that you, you want changed again, then uh, I'm sure Angus will be very keen to get right back into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say thank you again to Claire Burnett and the Bruise News crew for the shout-outs and for Claire coming on the podcast and all that good stuff. Much appreciated. And hope you enjoyed the bits. <laughs> Yeah, um, it seemed like uh, she did, and uh, it's nice of them to read out your letter on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, always good for the, uh, um, you know, reciprocal. Physical letter (laughs) tips it over the edge, I think. Always helps. Always. On the subject of mail, uh, we got a couple of nice emails from Wayne. Yeah, Wayne sent us a, a few emails, one of which he showed us his um, Chinese beer label website, which is quite cool, um, and had a few thoughts about our macro, our ranking of lager segment. Yeah, uh, and he suggested that we try, well, add Pabst Blue Ribbon onto there. Yeah, um, and we have already done an American one, but we thought with Pabst being the sort of contract macro, we'd uh, manage to fit them in, which we'll do later in the episode. Uh, so we are, yeah, we're going to be sort of making an excuse and it does show you that if you if you send an email and ask questions then we will try to make things work for you. Yeah, uh, do our best. If you'd like to see Wayne's Chinese label website, it is pijiu.wombathole.com and pju is beer in Mandarin, if I'm not mistaken, looking at the ah, title. Yeah, I think that might be right. Um, does that very say, vaguely rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thank you, Wayne, and we will get to have Blue Ribbon and slot it in somewhere for you when we get to that part of the podcast. And we'll chuck the link in the show notes as well, so people don't have to remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit ambitious of me. <laughs> um, so we'll get straight into the news. Uh, Carl and Collaborational, they've switched it all up and made it work. Yeah, so I think we talked a few months back about it being cancelled, the inaugural yep. Collaboration Fest. Or pushed to October or whatever it was. Yep, yep, and so now it's gone virtual. Um, there's a pack going out with 11 beers um, from Collaborating Breweries, a glass. I think you're getting a booklet as well. Um, and then on the 24th of October, there's going to be a virtual festival. A cookie from Derblew, if I'm not mistaken, as well, or something oh, like really? that. Oh, really? I think Possibly. there was something like that. Or maybe I'm thinking of one of the other million packs that's going around at the moment. <laughs> there are a lot. <laughs> um Interestingly, they sold 75% of them in 48 hours, um, but they're still for sale over a week later. Yeah, I guess it's one of those things where, similar to the uh, Quarantinis pack, how um, I guess it's like the people who want it are going to get in straight away. Like, I think we both got in within 10 minutes. 
Yeah. Um, and then it's but it is you are paying a hundred bucks for something that's not going to ship for a month. So yeah, that is true. Um, there that is, is true. possibly collaborating yeah. breweries were interesting. Yeah, the choices, the pairs they've uh, got are really interesting. I'm really fascinated to see what's going to come out of some of those. Yeah, exactly. Because I think they also said half are going to be hazies. Um, but looking at that list, I only see probably three that I think are obviously hazies. Yeah. Um, I reckon we'll get a few surprises. You might see a, a boat rocker or something doing a hazy, even though that pairing, uh, I can't remember at who they're with. But Demolin screams. Yeah, Imperial screams Imperial Stout. You never know. You never know. I would That's be true. up for a boat rocker and Demolin hazy if that is what it comes to. The one uh, Australian brewery that surprised me a little was Felons. Do you know much about what they're doing? No, not really, but they're, they're quite new, aren't they? And um, Yeah, I think they're the big one in Brisbane on the waterfront with the boat ramp or something. Yeah, right that there. we did speak about them when they opened. Uh, yeah. haven't had any of their beer personally. No, neither. I don't know if it makes it out of Brisbane. Schumann must be quite good, though. Yeah, or, well, if they're in the car impact, then must be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just on further, I guess this is almost beer festival related. Worst segues for a reason. Um, Little Bang wins the inaugural Gabs Can Design Awards, which uh, was sort of done similar to the Hottest 100 countdown. Like they sort of had like a top 10 thing on Instagram, putting up posts for every one as they counted through them. Um, so I think the idea was that it was like a public vote and then it went to an industry sort of panel for the last 10. Yeah, so I think each brewery had to nominate their favourite label. Um, then a public vote decided the 10, and then the industry experts came up with their ranking. Yeah, and um, I think I think it's a, a worthy winner. I think so. It's one of those labels that would definitely stand out on a shelf. Yeah, like yeah. Hot pink and yellow. It was um, their sour. I can't remember the name of it. Face Inverter, I think yep, it's called. Yeah, Face Inverter. That's the one. Um, and that's seriously sour. Yeah, a good name for that. I've, you know, obviously we've seen uh, The Future is Bright. I don't actually love that can, but it does stand out well. Um, the fix- I don't like it either. Um, yeah, I, I think it, I don't like, just looks a bit tacky. But like, you know, Moondog do great work, so I'm always happy for them to get um, recognition for stuff. Uh, yeah. You're on Mute by Fixation, which I think is a nice, fun label. That's the comic strip one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Unbridled Unicorn by Blaster, which is sort of clean looking. Um, I don't know much about that one. Uh, there's a few other ones, like a couple of cool ones from breweries. Like I don't know, like Valley Lager by Grassy Knoll. That really struck me when I was voting. I think I may have voted for it. Um, very cool looking sort of cartoon landscape. Yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. Um, Ocean Reach Brewing, who I also don't know. I assume you would from the... They're uh, in... Uh, Phillip Island. Yeah, correct. And uh, they tropical XCA again, really nice, clean design. But yeah, some some cool cool to see some breweries, uh, smaller breweries represented in a different way, and yeah, good fun. I think there was Black Flag Brewing, which I'd never heard of. Yeah, um, there, there's quite a few breweries that I hadn't heard of, and that's yeah, nice for them to get a bit of recognition. Yeah, a bit of bit of shine in the public eye. And in a way that maybe if you can't ship your beer around, at least people can get some eyes on the designs and keep them in the back of their mind. Yeah, well, I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, Cavalier is for sale. It is, which is um, interesting. Um, So they're selling the leasehold and all their equipment in their brewery. Um, But really the reason I put on there is because of how important it's been to the Victorian industry with how many contract brands and even now physical breweries they've sort of helped launch 
Yeah, and they've, they've done a lot, but I must admit I haven't seen their beer in quite a while. Well, that is the thing about them. They're probably more known for the brewers they help launch than their own beer. Yeah, which is, um, I guess, may when you have less people brewing in your facility, may come back to hurt you. It, I mean, I don't know if it's just a... It might not be a desperate thing. It might just be a good time to tap out or something. It's hard to know. I wouldn't know if now's the best time to be selling things, but you never know. Depends on their personal situation, I guess. It's it's very hard to know, but um, yeah, a bit of a shame. Yeah, definitely a shame. Um, hopefully someone buys it and um, does the same thing for the Victorian industry. Yeah, yeah, we can we can only hope they continue the legacy. Uh, who knows, though, really? In in happier news, Blackhearts have got a new venue, place, brewery. They do. Down in the Otways, they bought a two-acre plot of land, um, which they're hoping to turn into their home. So I assume that means they'll chuck a brewery in there. If not, they might just keep fermenting stuff down there. They were gonna. Uh, did they? Were they? Did they see something about them growing some grain or something? Or uh, growing like fruit that? trees. Yeah, so they've just finished planting 140 different trees, which um, is exciting. Yeah. Um, most excitingly on that list is apricots, which yep. I've got circled. <laughs> um, but also apples, pears, peaches, nectarines, which we know are not fluffy apricots. Is that right? Oh yeah, this was a while back. They make good. <laughs> they make they make good beer. Though. That nectarine lambic we had was fantastic. Um, plum, cherry, and loads of raspberries. All of the stuff you want to see. I want them to do some mandarins. I want to get some more of that mandarin wild ale. Oh, uh, yeah. That was an <laughs> absolute ripper. Um, and Josh has moved his bees down there to uh, oh, nice. pollinate all those trees. And Yeah, that's so cool. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I always like when they sort of get a bit of a life cycle going with the beer. Modus, filter, and gauge roads. Are these openings? These are all openings. Yeah. Um, so Modus is opening a second brewery in Newcastle in the suburb of Merriweather. Yep. Um, Jazz and Grant, who uh, started Modus, I think either live up there now or or moved up there. Um, and basically, it's extra capacity because Monovale's stretched to its limits. And I guess they're probably pushing out more than ever um, at the moment with the new cans and the new distribution. Yeah, and I think that's what they were saying, that they just couldn't do any of the fun stuff that they want to do in Monovale. Um, and so they've op- they've yeah opened up Newcastle, 40 hectolitre system, three vessels. Nice. Yeah. All the um, best. Exactly. Um, it's also going to have a focus on sustainability. I didn't know that Monovale was 100% green powered. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I did not know that either. Yeah. Which uh, is um, noble in it in this sort of industry that's not always known for that. Yeah, yeah, and um, hope that we see more of it going forward. Uh, so, filter and gauge roads as well. Yep, um, filter have opened in Marrickville. You know the yep the hub of yep yeah Wild the hub of town. Sydney Brewers yep. out there. Um, they've got a twenty-five hex system. Um, and they were able to do it during COVID because they weren't relying on bar sales. You know, they'd always been distribution only. Yeah. Um, from the photos I've seen, the venue looks like it fits with their branding. It's sort of a 70s brick building, <laughs> warehouse. Yeah, it'd be a good time, I reckon. Um, feel to do good work. Yeah, yeah, they do. I'm looking forward to what they'll do putting out their own beer from their own facility. Yeah. 
Um, um, and then Gage Roads are opening their first hospitality offering. I was going to uh, say, I, I was like going to ask because I, I was thinking they don't actually have like a public facing sort of thing, do they? Which is no, interesting for no, such so a big brewery. They've never had one. Um, I did like in their press release that they listed their 25 hectolitre kit as experimental. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the amount of single fin going around, that's probably a fair probably, uh, ratio. Yeah. Um, so they've taken out a 40-year lease at um, Victoria Quay. Well, you yeah. might as well. They're not going anywhere. Well, exactly. Um, and they're hoping to open that by summer 2022. Nice. Well, it's hopefully <laughs> after COVID by then. Well, with any luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Although in WA you could say they're already over COVID. <laughs> yeah, but I guess over COVID uh, in terms of us being able to go there probably in mm, 2022. <laughs> Um, beer in mainstream news. You've got a few here. I'll let you run through them. Yeah, a couple here. So, um, firstly, the Cavalier news was in, uh, well, relatively mainstream stream news. <laughs> nice. Well, not nice, but good that that's, it's noticed. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a... It was really poorly written, but it was an ad uh, from the East Brunswick Village who were looking for a brewery for their new development. Yeah, that was interesting. Um Trying to remember who it is in WA. I want to say uh, no, nah, can't remember. Um, there is a brewery in WA who have a facility in a shopping centre, and it's actually not as bad as it sounds. Uh, was it Nowhere Man? Mm, possibly. Uh, yeah, I remember you went there, but yeah, yeah, I'd have to look it up. I reckon it's like brew or beer or something like that. I yeah, I'm, they won an award because it was when we were they won the wheat. Du- yeah. Uh, Whatever that was, people can look that up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're being very helpful. The one with beer in their name who won, who won an award for a wheat beer. Anyway, but they, they do, it works better than I thought, so I'm actually more interested in this than I might be otherwise. Um, and then there were two sort of l- slightly less positive bits of news. Yep. Um, there was one called, a brewery called, or a beer called Aqua Shiva, which upset um, the Hindu population in the States. Yep. Um, from two New York-based breweries called Big Ditch and Pressure Drop. Um, but that was reported in the Herald Sun. Hmm. There you go. Which, a bit, which is a bit strange. And then there was a Canadian brewery called Hell's Basement who uh, were reported on the front page of the BBC website for, for using a Maori word uh, which uh, means feather but colloquially it means pubic hairs. Oh, yeah, I think I do remember that one, actually. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting that beer's getting mainstream attention. Especially, uh, you know, interest stories rather than actual news. Yeah, exactly. It was Beer Land Brewing. Beer Land. Yes. There you go. Um, just to make sure that we're actually covering that because... Yeah. <laughs> so people aren't just looking... Aimlessly, but they do, yeah, they have a facility in a shopping centre in WA, and it's pretty cool. They do crawlers and stuff. Um, yeah, so all, all fun news, I guess. Hmm. Uh, Blaster have won on two counts. Uh, convictions for keg thefts and probably something they actually want to win. Uh, want to have to win, sorry. Uh, Royal Perth, lots of medals uh, for trophies. Yeah, so they won a heap of medals, so I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, what I did find interesting was that they won silvers for all their pack and golds for all their draft for the same beer in the same categories. That, that checks out. Yeah. 
Um, and then the trophies, they won them, the ones you want to win. They won champion beer, champion small brewery, champion IPA draft. Congratulations to Blaster. Yeah, and then in probably less happy news, or I suppose happy for them. Um, happy they won, less happy they had to go to court. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, towards the end of last year, Blaster reckon they lost fifteen to $20,000 worth of kegs from a relatively significant operation um, where people were stealing them late at night, like with a big truck. And It is a bit more of a problem. Like A lot of people think it's, it's kind of like a funny thing, but it's sort of turned into becoming more of an issue, I think. Yeah, well, when they're, you know, $200 a pop brand new and you can get, I don't know, 40 or 50 bucks from scrapping them, you know. Yeah. It um, can hurt your bottom line quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but one of the uh, individuals, clearly the ringleader, was um, convicted on a number of charges, including stealing and benefiting from fraud. Um, got four, five and six month sentences for the, the theft and two and three month sentences for the benefiting from fraud. But that'll all be served concurrently, so we'll be out in six months. Yeah, still though, it's um, hopefully a, some a sort of a deterrent. Yeah, exactly, because it just seems like I don't know. I think a lot of people don't even realise that kegs are like owned by. They just think it's like a faceless thing, you know. Yeah, I think so. Um, so you do and need to make it known that hey, these are not often not super big breweries with not super huge profit margins who have these, and yeah. And it's a pretty significant expense having to replace them because there's minimum order quantities as well. It's not like you can order the three that were stolen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we don't want breweries to start stealing them from each other to make up for their losses. <laughs> um, and another man was fined almost four and a half grand in compensation and another one's going in, in, to court in October. Oh, well, I hope that is uh, good and hopefully Blaster have less problems going forward. In that regard. Yeah, and everyone. Um, the IBA also thought that it cost WA brewers about two million bucks a year. That's a lot of kegs. Yeah, and yeah, so I think it is must be more of a widespread problem than it seems like. And yeah. they'd probably be a bit sick of it. So this is probably better news than perhaps might seem to the layman that they have got these convictions. Yeah. Um, Brewdog have gone carbon negative. Yeah, well, Brewdog get a lot of sticks. So they I do. thought it was fair to... Uh, Give them a uh, tick where they deserve it. Yeah, no, this is really good. Um, their plan is to uh, offset twice as much carbon as they emit. Um, the cynic in me would like to know if that includes their third-party logistics, you know, <laughs> s- sending their beer from their brewery, which is far away most, most emissions. Of it, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, but it is a $55 million investment. They've bought over 2,000 acres of Scottish highlands and they're planting a heap of trees. The Brewdog Forest. Yep, that's the one. Yep. Uh, which Audi are contributing, if everyone's been following that uh, debacle on West Beer Block. Oh, I haven't. Um. Uh, I think Audi Audi knocked off their off-punk. They called it like anti-establishment IBA. That's right, yeah. And it was very Brewdog, obviously a punk rip-off. And Brewdog came back with Yaldi IPA or something. Yeah, yeah. That was and they agreed to sell it, and Audi are going to plant a tree for every case sold or something like that. That's a good resolution. Forest. That's a much better resolution than we're going to hear from another big brewery who aren't happy about naming conventions in the tasting panel. Yeah, yeah. I've also got a, um, a marketing podcast that I'll post in the chat that Lizzie sent me, um, which is about the guy who did a lot of BrewDog's original marketing stuff. It's quite cool. 
Um, just wanted to quickly mention as well, just on BrewDog, uh, they're also doing some stuff in Australia. Um, yeah, so Brisbane's, I think, just released the first beers from the brewery there for distribution. Uh, yep. they Yeah, they have. Um, they are available at the Dog Tap, apparently, which I think yep. is the venue up there. Um, and they're also doing some carbet, uh, carbon offset stuff there. Um, they've got a sustainable drive-through, which I guess is useful at the moment. Um, and they uh, have a partnership with Yarra Yarra Biodiversity Product to offset all of their CO2 emissions. So oh, similar okay. things. So continuing on from that, um, the, the main investment in Scotland. Yeah, so also doing it at other, perhaps, like Aki said, perhaps not logistics, but at least they're trying to keep it um, consistent around the world at all their venues. Yeah. No, that's, that's genuinely good on them. They deserve credit for that. Um, I figure we might as well just mention the stone thing now just because it leads directly on from uh, what we just mentioned. While we're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you might remember um, in late July, uh, Greg Cook posted a big open letter, which was very awkward and probably pretty arrogant, um, about them suing over 100 small businesses um, about, you know, just for having stone in the name, essentially. And I think this is all building towards a case against Miller Coors for Keystone Beer, blah, blah, blah. But the fact still is that it's pretty, you know, it's bullying behaviour, I think you'd call it. Um, and they have, so they came out and said all that and, you know, it sort of all seemed like, well, that was a bit of a dick move, but you know, it is what it is. They're trying to, you know, do the minimum to protect their copyright. But then Holy Stone Distilling, who don't make beer, have been sued by them and they are tiny and it just seems a bit silly. It's basically any vaguely alcohol related business that has stone and it gets, is getting hit. Yeah. And same, and Bastard is also getting hit as well. Um, for Arrogant Bastard. Yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as the owner of um, Holy Stone Distilling, it is called, um, pointed out it is interesting that Firestone Walker was not one of the breweries sued. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but as I was saying to you before, I wonder if it's because Firestone Walker would just beat Stone. Yeah. Because um, they're does. both founded in 1996. <laughs> it does, does. Uh, Make it a little bit flawed, though. They're not going after people with money, except for their billion-dollar lawsuit against Miller Coors. I guess they need all the money they can get. Yeah, well, it looks good if you can get 100 little wins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, outside of, you know, I understand that to protect their copyright, but I would argue this probably goes outside of that and leaves a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Yeah, well, Stone Stone are good at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Many of their six-month-old imports will attest to that. Uh, <laughs> six so, months if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, on to the tasting powder where we just wrap up some quick news. Um, Colonial hopefully and quick. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. Uh, Colonial and TaylorMade, I believe they've released a lager. Yeah, they have a 3.5% mid-strength lager um, and just really adds to Colonial's weird couple of collaborations they've done recently, like TaylorMade being a golf brand. Yeah, yeah. Although, probably smart marketing. Yeah, look, there'll be a lot of golfers who will buy that and wander down the fairway with a six-pack. Yeah, why not? Uh, Lion joins Wear It Purple. Yeah, so I hadn't heard about this, but it's a um, LGBTIQA plus initiative. Yep. Um, Basically, it's raising awareness. Um, Apparently, a lot of the population thought that once the Marriage Equality Act passed that things sort of became all hunky-dory for 
Thus so solving that, the problem forever. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and it's just trying to wa- raise a bit of awareness for that. They're brewing a Little Creature's Purple Pale Ale, which is using that butterfly pea flower. Ah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, which is a cool idea. I'll have to buy a six-pack for a friend of the podcast, Dave, and put it in normal bottles and then watch him be alarmed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Credit credit where it's due to lie. No, definitely, definitely. And, um, yeah, uh, they always should be rewarded, well, praised when they do something good because it's always super often. Mm, ulterior motives yeah yeah but you know (laughs) like we said with the uh local lover thing last podcast even if there are ulterior motives they're still doing it yeah exactly Uh, vb perfume i saw an ad for this in instagram and i reported it saying that inappropriate (laughs) and i don't want to see it well surely people need to know about this dylan yeah it's very important um so this would have come out basically around this time the last pod um but the the copy's just awful, but my favourite bit is it's, it's not a, it doesn't smell like VP. It's premium perfume oil with super pride. I would have thought <laughs> I would have thought it was a bit redundant releasing uh, with Shane Warne just having released his line. Surely that is a VP perfume. It's the same mark. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, you can buy it at Chemist Warehouse as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of medicine we need um, in these dark times. Uh, Two Bays have released a gluten-free red ale. Uh, I think this is the first gluten-free red ale I've seen. Yeah, I think it is. Definitely the first Australian one I've seen. Mm. Um, And I think it goes to our chat on the last pod about gluten-free grain and that there's not very much sort of coloured grain. Yeah, it's difficult to get that kind of colour and depth. Like I don't think I've seen a gluten-free stout. I'm sure one exists, but... There will be one. I think I've had a brown from Two Bays before. Yeah, they do do a brown, yeah. Or they have rings a bell. Um, but yeah. um, it's also an English red ale, not an Irish red, which is interesting. That's cool. Yeah, so it's less dry. We will hopefully get to try one for next podcast. Yeah, I think that would be the plan. A local beer and Burnley have released a sustainable banana beer. Uh, they're making a series of beers called Fruits of Our Labour, which is a collaboration that investigates new sustainable methods of using leftover produce to make limited release beers that don't compromise on flavor um that's from froth um so they are extra sourdough bread from philippa's bakery that was going in the bin um some old bananas that were going uh that sourced locally and i think were also you know perhaps not wanted by the supermarkets yeah so they've blowtorched them put it in with vanilla extract and they made this banana bread ale and they are donating like they do with all of their beers to second bite with each pack sold yeah which is great um so i think i've got numbers of 25 kilos of bread which doesn't seem like a heap of the grain bill but you know still sourdough might do a bit I yeah, guess, exactly. Uh, 115 kilos of bananas, which are yep. a lot of bananas. That is, yes. Maybe that, hence, maybe the uh, lack of bread, probably got enough sugar in there. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so this is sort of similar to, I think it's Brussels Beer Project. They do something similar to this with leftover bread from bakeries around Brussels. Yeah. Even our uh, friends Tallboy and Moose did it with the brewery down the road from them. Uh, sorry, the, the bakery down, bakery the, road. down the road from did. them. They did. I don't remember the name of the beer, but yeah, they did. All our friends or all are welcome or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's always cool to see stuff uh, used rather than tucked away because why not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Queensland Artisan Licence passed. Yeah, so this has been being talked about for a long time. 
Um, basically, I think it allows easier access to market for um, Queensland brewers who had lots of issues around selling beer at markets and you know festivals and events and things like that. Interestingly, the IBA said it was a little too too little too late. You know, does prevent brewers from COVID issues, which is interesting. Yeah, it's probably not the kind of reaction you necessarily want. Um, it's but not what I expected. <laughs> they must have had some feedback, I would yeah. have thought. They must be going into bat for people. Um, you can read more about that on Brewers News if you'd like more in-depth breakdown. Yeah, and I assume uh, we're recording on Thursday that their podcast tomorrow will have more on that. <laughs> so, uh, but, but don't listen to that. Only listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's probably fair after the plug day game. You yeah. should probably give them one or yeah. two. <laughs> We were higher than them on the chart, so we got to help out the little guys. <laughs> Lark released this year's version of The Wolf. Um, so Wolf of the Willows released their barrel-aged stout, which was Lark barrel-aged semi-recently. Yeah, so they sw- it's just JSP that they make an imperial version, version yeah. of, uh, and basically they send the barrels back and forth. So after the imperial porter comes out, it goes back to Lark, they put whiskey in it, make a whiskey. And uh, Vice versa. I love Wolf of the Willows, but that is a that's a hell of a connection to hook up. Yeah, and that beer is ridiculous. Every, I love that beer more every time I have one. I don't know if we ever have one. I do like JSP a lot though, so I probably should. You you should definitely hook one up. It's also in a really cool can. It's like a matte black can and yeah. I think I've seen it round, yeah, just one of those ones where I've got a cupboard full of Imperial Stouts, so Yeah, yeah. yeah. We everyone has one of those, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, eighteen hundred and thirty bottles at two hundred and thirty-nine bucks. So it's not a cheap whiskey, but it'll it'll go quickly. I, it's flax, so I'm sure it's good. Yeah. Um, Stomping Ground released a BBQ sauce with Rorschbier from memory. Yeah, they did. It's a they called a spicy chipotle uh, smoked uh, barbecue sauce with, and it's made with their hanging rauk. Yeah. Um, I would like to try that and will endeavour to. <laughs> Have you not tried that? I love that beer. Oh, no, I've tried the beer. I haven't had the, ah, yeah. the sauce. Ah, the barbecue the sauce. sauce. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I see. So, yeah, exactly. A sauce and the beer together is not a bad idea, though. No. Um, Convoy by Red Kegs. Yeah, so Convoy are a, you know, keg leasing brand like Square Keg. Uh, they launched in New Zealand in March, and basically the two of them came to the conclusion that three players in the New Zealand market didn't make sense. Um, Convoy have loads of capital and bought it, which, you know, makes sense. Australian and New Zealand logistics just work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, so I guess that if you don't see red kegs around, then just look at Convoy for your invoices, I guess. Vietnamese brewery Heart of Darkness to be brewed in New Zealand. Yeah, so uh, Behemoth are going to start brewing Heart of Darkness beers. Oof. Which will be fun. Yeah, that's Because they're good beers, the yeah. Darkness ones. And Behemoth, they're good people to put your the hand, your beer in the hands of. Yeah, they'll do it justice. Yeah. Uh, SEA Brew joined the COVID casualties. Yep, so that's the Southeast Asian Brewers Conference. Um, it's been cancelled for this year, uh, and they've moved it to November next year, 4th and 5th in Taiwan. Probably Same a bit venue more. as this year. Realistic, yeah, they've given themselves enough time to make sure <laughs> yeah. there'll be no problems. Is that uh, so? Is that open to the public, or is it more of a small, actually, industry event? I think it's open to the public as well. 
Okay. I think you can just rock up buy a ticket. Yeah, cool. Um, lifestyle Asia art- lifestyle Asia article. Oh yeah, wow. <laughs> um, so I get some interesting. I come across some interesting things occasionally. Yep. Uh, and this is an article spruiking three Australian beer brands that have just been imported to Singapore. Uh, so there's Shed Shaker, which they say pairs surprisingly well with uh, laxer and Singapore chili chili crab, which, yep. you know, makes sense. Shed Shaker, not huge, are they? No, no, I think I put the article up about them last week. Uh, they're in Castle, Maine. They make some pretty interesting things. But to say all their beers pair, pair well with, <laughs> with that interested me. Um, yeah. But the one that I thought was far and away the most interesting was their copy about Bright Brewery, where they were talking about how almost everything was sourced within 10, 10 kilometres of the brewery and the food miles were really good on it. Yet they've imported it to Singapore. <laughs> Let's throw all that out the window. The and, only uh, thing we're going to tell you is how good the food miles are, but we've shipped it, you know, 8,000 kilometres. Still, that's pretty great for, um, for Bright, though. Oh, absolutely. And they make, they make really good beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. That, that's, that's a fun way to end what has been a long news segment. We've had longer, but... <laughs> no, that's true. We did okay considering the amount there was to get through. Yeah, covered a lot of ground. Yeah. And we will be back with what we're drinking shortly. We are back with what we're drinking, and um, we'll start off with a couple of things that we mentioned last podcast. Um, the Cooper's Hazy is probably the most interesting one to start with. Yeah, I've actually just cracked one and got one in front of me. Hmm. Uh, it is not hazy. It's a Cooper's beer. Well, I think it is perhaps visually hazy. I, I suppose. It is almost opaque. Mm. But I know what you mean. It's not a hazy. <laughs> no, no. And it's not hazy per se, it's sort of just orange. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's hazy from Cooper's yeast. Cooper's pale is hazier than that is. Yeah, probably mild yeah. ale too. Yeah, and definitely sparkling, but yeah. You know. <laughs> um, so it's like a fun way to use Cooper's yeast, but it's a bit, yeah, it's pretty expensive what it is. Yeah, it's a... Um, I want to say yeah. a $21, $22 four pack. Really? Possibly yeah, even 24 Yeah, it's not worth that. No. Um, maybe at 18 or something. But even then, it's just... I'd probably just rather drink the Cooper's regular range. Yeah, well, I'd prefer a sparkling ale than that. Um, or a stout? Well, yeah, it's always a stout. <laughs> Can it, Cooper's? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Keep banging that drum. Uh, but there's a lot of orange in mm. this, which I wouldn't have expected from the hot bill. What? What's the hot bill again? Artanum and Strata. Strata, that's right. I knew it was something a bit odd. Um, Artanum is usually pretty mango-y, danky kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. my thoughts on it as well. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's you get nice fruity yeast character. It's not a bad beer. It's just a bit eh. Yeah, that's what um, it is. It, it's not a hazy and it's not great, but it's fine. Kind of what I thought about their XPA. Um, I quite like this session when it's fresh. Yep. Um, but yeah. I think I actually like this more than I did the first one I had. So maybe okay. that best after thing you were talking about <laughs> is yeah. it coming into its the own. Just yeast, yeast has developed a bit. Yeah. Doing its thing. Does it say best after? I didn't actually check. It does. Yeah. It well, does. That's Cooper's for you. Yeah. 
Beautiful. Um, the other one we mentioned last time was Mr. Banks City Limits, which was their Vienna Lager. We did have that as we said we would. Yes, indeed. I liked the malt in it. Um, a bit on the darker side for Vienna, but that's not a bad thing. Um, and it had good hop bite for me. You know, good yep. bit of grassiness from the Sars. And I think it was Hallertau Mittel for Yeah, memory. I think so. Got that nice snappiness. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice Vienna Lager. It's not quite Burnley's Vienna Lager. Mm. But not it a- is definitely in that darker, maltier style of Vienna Lager. Yeah, not a world beater, but a good example of one. And certainly a pretty nice beer. Yeah. Um, easy as. Just want to chat about that quickly. The Garage Project Modern Times collaboration uh, continues. Garage Project being shouted out in this podcast for making incredibly good juice. That is some more good juice. Um, I don't really have heaps to say about it because the old hazy conundrum, but it's really good. Yeah, I haven't had it, but I, I'm confident with those two breweries that it would be good. Yeah, right in your warehouse, very in the Sunrise Valley adjacent kind of area. Oh, that's cool. That's exciting, actually. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I would say grab one. I think you would probably like it more than I did, and I liked it quite a bit. Okay, excellent. Um, La Serene single barrel range. I've only had the 14, which is the red, because that was one that interested me the most. And God, I'm are... keen to grab them. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, well, based on this one, they are incredibly worth it. This is the most sour Lacerine beer I've had by a country mile. Um, I think my teeth might need re-enameling after drinking it, but um, <laughs> it is, it's a ripper. It's fantastic, world-class Lacerine. Pretty much always do good stuff, and I think this justifies the price point, which at $26 for a three seventy-five is probably the nicest thing I can say about it. That's, that's pretty high price. Yeah, um, you know it, it's fantastic, and I would be really interested in trying the still and the. I think it's just a normal wild ale. Yeah, I think it might just be a Chardonnay barrel aged thing. Yeah, just just a Chardonnay. <laughs> um, well, from what from La Serene, you can say that. No, that's true. That's true. But yeah, no top shelf and a great little release, and um, really small amount of bottles going around. I think so. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely highly recommended. Um, at least the 14, but I'm safe, feel safe recommending the others based on that. I think I can blindly recommend Lacerine things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Probably don't even need to look at it. No. Uh, Blackman's need more Simco and need more Sabro. Uh, this is their kind of, they did same days. I want to say for both of them, at least yep. certainly for Sabro. Um, I think they've done same days for all of that range. Yeah. Well, that's, um, it's definitely the kind of range that benefits from it. I think. Yeah. Because definitely the Citra was, which was the first one. Okay, yeah. Then almost certainly you would think. Yeah. Um, Simcoe was good. Uh, Simcoe yeah. had... My my notes were particularly useful and they say loads of Simcoe, unsurprisingly. Yep. That checks out. Um, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, better. it's a West Coast IPA. It's great. Yeah. And it's very... Yeah, nice sort of floral pine, nice fruit. Good stuff. Um... Uh, funnily enough, yeah, I, I liked Sabro quite a bit more. Um, I think it was just a really good example of how to use Sabro, and it was fresh enough that it was sort of got really cool little elements that I hadn't gotten Sabro before. Like, But it's definitely like coconut forward. But yeah, really interesting hop and continue to be impressed by it. Um, yeah. Sabro but, I'm coming round to. Like I didn't like it initially. I thought that coconut was a bit heavy. Um, mm. But, yeah, I had a Hawker's Day Trip the other day, which is very heavily sabroed, for want of a better word. 
think it's just um, getting used to it, just like getting used to the, the passion fruit bombs that were going around and stuff. Yeah, I just find it a bit sweet. Or, it is, or, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of vanilla as well, I think. Yeah. And it's just, it is quite, it's quite a lot. I remember when we were on the Gold Coast and had, I think it was the Bolter Garage Project Dry Haze. Yeah. And that was really Sabro heavy and that was a bit too, like, too you sweet. know, treacly. Yeah, after, a f- and it was nice, but again, it just, it, it does add up to be a lot. But I thought this was nicely balanced, maybe because it was super duper fresh, it still had enough of that dankness to kind of balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that series continues to be cool and I hope they do more. Yeah, Blackman's nail it every time they do one of those, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, Two Meter Tall's fourth, which is a really interesting beer. Um, I'll, I'll read their spiel quickly. It's all um, about the spiel. Yeah. Uh, this is not this is not the uh, the rambling Instagram spiel, which is super interesting, um, and I recommended you read that on Two Meter Tall's Instagram if you're interested, but this is just their more simple one. Uh, brewed with quinoa, buckwheat, rye, oats, and barley, this brew showcases grain grown in the fourth river valley in northern Tasmania by the Damon family. The bitter saponins on the unwashed quinoa deliver a subtle bittering structure. So it's no hops. It yep. just uses the saponins from the quinoa. Um, and this is a little midi, like 3.5%. Um, quite tart. Um, sort of interesting bitterness. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, but it's definitely cool. I hadn't had anything quite like it before. Yeah, I was impressed with how much bitterness they got out of it. Mm. Like it's not that tannic bitterness. It's actual like, not hugely out of place bitterness. Yeah, it's not quite hot bitterness, but it's it's fine. It's like good in a no, beer. No, it's, so. it's it's close to hot yeah. bitterness. Yeah, um, I thought the the hops were quite interesting as well. Quite citrusy. Could have also been a yeast component in there. Yeah, um, and yeah, nicely tart and yeah, a really cool beer for three and a half percent. Yeah. Uh, King River. Anything you wanted to discuss in particular? No, I got that. Um, I get that delivery from them every. I think it's every quarter. Yep. Um, and this month they had an IPA, which I'm sure is their red IPA and just poorly packaged. Belgian Pale, which is probably the best Belgian Pale made in Australia. I and reckon I had that and I liked it. Uh, the Schlieffen yeah. Pan? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that was that was impressive. It's just, it's nothing crazy. It's just a Belgian Pale Ale. It's about yeah. four, 4%, you know, uh, it's stunning. Uh, and then there was a Marzen and a Doppelbock. Yeah, uh, I think I had the Marzen and liked it quite a bit. Um, yep. Doppelbock is still sitting there. I... Marzen is excellent, sort of light nuttiness to it. It's just really well brewed. Uh, as is everything they do. It's to style and it's really nice. They do some pretty cool stuff. It's not uh, quite like the lineup anyone else is putting out. No, no, it's a lot of sort of traditional styles done well. Plenty of dad beers that don't feel like dad beers. Yeah, but equally they do like, let's give you three single hot pale ales. Yeah, exactly. So, that's that's sort of what I mean by their lineup. Like they but they're not English just doing pale ales as well. Yeah, it's all yeah. very cool. Um, yeah, always shouting out King River and deservedly so. Uh, yeah, whenever I get round to finishing the year at the local and do some wrap up stuff, they will be heavily mentioned. Yeah, so please King River tune in <laughs> and. Keep an eye out. Uh, Deeds Best Coast, which is their West Coast IPA. Yeah, that was in one of their recent releases. Like, as we've said before, time's lost all meaning in lockdown here in Victoria. Yeah, and Deeds release a lot. A lot. I actually had a Deeds delivery today, including a Barrel Age Pilsner, which I think is Kapurkava that's lived in a barrel, which will be exciting. That's exciting, yeah. 
got to get our Kapurka the shouts in. Yeah. <laughs> um, but best coast, it's a proper West Coast IPA. Um, good pine, good bitterness, good grapefruit. Good if stuff. You're look, yeah, if you're looking for something that isn't hazy, go buy that. Uh, fixation Best Buds. It's a pack, yeah, so, right? Yeah, that's their new sort of subscription thing. Um, they're going to de- they deliver um, some limited release a couple of times, a few times a year. Get a glass t shirt. I think it's a um, bar tab on your birthday, things like that. I mean, yeah, if they chuck a traditional fixation IPA in there, then it's going to be worth it by itself. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't terribly expensive. I can't remember how much it was exactly, but <laughs> I remember it being good value. I'll back you up on that. I did see it, I think, after the fact, and I thought that's pretty well priced. I do remember distinctly thinking that. I couldn't tell you how much either, yeah. but yeah, it was good. Um, but I got a red IPA and a, I think it was just a West Coast IPA. It might have been a, a hazy, um, which was batch 100. That was good. Cool. Like everything fixation do. Yeah, I was going to say that checks out. If it's hoppy and it's fresh and it's fixation, it will be good. Um, German classics, I assume this is referring to a few of the fun-looking beers I've been seeing popping up in your Untapped recently. Yeah, yeah, it is. So it's it's sort of this time every year. year. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So the Augustina stuff's around. God, I love that. Um, That hells every year. Um, Schneider Weiss's stuff's around, like the tap... Tap four, four, five, and six. I think I've seen uh, one. We're going to a beer. We're going to talk about later. Shortly, I think. Yep, yep. And there's also the out yearly Audi drop of fresh German stuff. So there's okay. stuff like um, uh, God, the brewery's going to escape me now. Like Paulana, Zlager, and um, I did see some Hacker, Hacker Shaw stuff. Around yep, this. all that sort of stuff is at Audi. For the next two weeks, basically, Ooh, before it right. sells out, and it's got, really got cheap. I've got like, an Audi within five kilometers. So. Ah, that's what you'd like to hear. I think yeah. it's like twelve dollar four packs of five hundred mil cans. You know, it's it's good, well priced, and really good stuff. I had no idea that was even a thing, but I'm going to have to make an excuse now. Yeah, it's worthwhile. Going going to Audi for my shop. Um, yeah, very cool. Uh, always good to revisit classics. Do not neglect them. And I've got one more beer I want to shout out. Which I wonder is, if this is the one I was just about to request that you shout out. But go, oh really? go ahead. Yeah, there was one I wanted to hear more about. Oh, I'm intrigued now. Um, I was going to say the Pirate Life Zapper. Yeah, yeah. Um, a nice little piece in this month's froth about the making of that label. Um, oh, if anyone's it? interested, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I haven't had it yet, but um, very cool label. Um, yeah, the label is cool. The actual original, I have seen the original, has fish up the top, which the label doesn't have. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I went looking. Um, the hop is really cool. Like initially I got just pine, pine bitterness, stuff like that, but it's got this almost jammy sort of berry thing going on as it warms up a little. It's awesome. Like I was intrigued. I'm going to have to track one of these down because, yeah, that's um, you did mention at the time and it does sound really interesting and it's not a hop I've had. So, yeah. No, it's hop. brand new, I think. I think it was last year it got named. Like it had always been a... You know, a trial hop before that. Oh, yeah, like an HPA or one yeah. of those similar yeah. things. Yep. Yeah, cool. Um, the one I wanted to ask you about just briefly before we go on to the next segment is uh, the 2012 round vert you had. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. Curious about, um, you know, aging a, a Belgian pale for that long. 
Yeah, well, it's sort of like in the Orval category. Um, so it's a breaded Belgian pale. Um, and, yeah, it was it was just fabulous. You know, a lot of bubblegum had developed in that good bubblegum Brett way. Yeah, my favourite kind of Brett, that one. Yeah. Um, it was awesome. Still well-conditioned, no, no carb issues. Like, it's probably getting towards the end of its life. It was losing a little bit of hop character. But, yeah. Still pretty so, impressive kind of thing. Worthwhile exercise, considering I bought that four-pack eight years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, that's... It's, I'm impressed that you managed to keep it, and I am even more impressed that it still tasted really good. Yeah. The last bottle of the four-pack is going to push for ten years. You still got one left, do you? Yeah, one left. Yeah, nice. Um, well... Keep an eye out for episode, uh, don't do the maths, but in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> um, wonderful. So I think that just about does what we have been drinking, at least uh, what we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it is still lockdown, so there are other beers. but <laughs> Yeah, probably, probably less exciting after a while. Uh, we will be back with You Haven't Had... We are back with you haven't had you haven't had and this time it is me who hasn't had something um, and it is uh, the Rothaus Pilsner. Yep. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about <laughs> this? So um, yeah, Rothaus Tannenzipfel to give it to its proper German name um, is. A pilsner from the state-owned brewery of Baden-Württemberg, which is the southwest corner of Germany. Nice. Uh, brewery's been there since 1791, which is, you know, crazy to think. Yeah, nuts. So. Um, and it's huge. It's also one of the largest employers of, in Baden-Württemberg, which is quite a poor area of the Black Forest on the That's whole. Cool. So, yeah, they must be putting out a lot then. Uh, 790,000 hectolitres last year. Wow. I guess that's why it's on this uh, segment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a very big one. Um, people will know this. I think of this as one of the quintessential German pilsners. Um, and it's got this almost 8-bit sort of label. Yeah, it is a really cool label. Um, it's kind of old school, but also not. Yeah, so Tannenzapfel means little fir cone which is the almost hop-looking things on the on the label. Yeah, I did wonder if they were hops. They look like pine cones, so I wasn't sure. Yeah, so they're fir cones. Um, but if like they were the correct F- German F-I-R? ones, they'd be... F-I-R, yeah. yeah. Um, if they were the correct German ones, they'd be hang- pointing up. So they think they're some weird Norwegian one, which hangs... <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um, I guess, yeah, the Scandinavian fir trees... Pretty sure they hang down in my head. At least yeah, I think so. Limited looking at them. Um, so yeah, first first impressions are this is really nice. Uh, it looks great. Um, it is yeah, sort of distinctly German pilsner. It has a kind of that more kind of cereally malts, like a little bit more sweetness. Still has that nice bite though, um, and it, it's nicely grassy. And yeah, this is for what is. I assume it's not actually considered a macro lager, but for the output that could be considered macro adjacent, it's very impressive. Well, it is government-owned, for want of a better word. Mm. It's um, listed on Untapped as a microbrewery. <laughs> <laughs> I 
pretty big one. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Uh, 79 million litres of beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a lot a of micro. micro. Yeah. Um, no, this is this is really impressive and sort of wish I had a little bit more to say, but, um, you but know. It is sort of that beer in that it's, you know, it's a German Pilsner. And if it's done well, it should almost be in the background. It's not something you think about for a long time. It's a drinking beer. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's um, it's still nicely bitey, so it reminds you that it's there. But it's super well balanced, and yeah, it's just something you could you could put away a lot of, or you could have one or two and enjoy it equally. Um, I think it's an impressive little beer, and it's good to try. Yeah, I feel it's one of those beers people would pu- bypass a lot of the time. But a lot of people would have seen that on the shelf. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think, yeah, definitely try it. I mean, it's always worth trying Pilsner and there's a lot of average craft lager, so you might as well just drink something better if you feel like a lager. Bingo. It's a reason why they know what they're doing. And it's the reason behind this segment. Yeah. Um, And as, you know, as last time, this segment is nice and quick and easy. Um, So I think we can probably just move straight on. Move straight on. Yeah. We are back with the Brewery Deep Dive, and this episode we have got the Bucket Brewery in Kempsey, New South Wales. Um, so they are a independent family-owned brewery um, in the mid-north coast of New South Wales in the town of Kempsey. Um, they are Sam and Amanda Preston and are Miss Bucket the Dog, who the logo and brewery are named after. Um, like many of these stories that we tell, um, the Sam, the brewer and one of the owners, um, he was a home brewer, thought it was pretty good, um, sort of toured, uh, Dublin, saw the Guinness brewery. They decided that they should set up their own. Um, they went back to Kempsey where they grew up, uh, to raise their family and then, yeah, got some education in brewing and basically it went from there. Yeah. It's a pretty cool story, isn't it? Yeah, um, not not an unfamiliar one, but um, yeah, I, and I sort of like it's a nice little team they've got on there. Definitely a family operation. Um, like the trainee brewer just uh, literally ranks came up. The dog. <laughs> yep, ranks for the dog, but also just came up and asked uh, if there was any work, and they were just like, "Yep, jump in," which is a nice sort of country attitude to have. And yeah, um, pretty diverse range of beers too. Really diverse range of beers. So the reason I found them is because they do an Adam beer, which is one of these very unique old German styles that's hardly ever brewed anymore. Yeah, and um, was a very cool beer. Like, I, I don't even know what you'd, how you'd describe an Adam beer. Um, sort of like had a Belgian dark strong thing going on. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so an Adam beer is a light brown to very, is very, to very dark in colour. Um, it's originally a style from Dortmund... Uh, with medium hop bitterness, Adam beers are often strong, dark, hoppy, sour, and are extensively aged in wood barrels. Yeah, it's an interesting sort of style, and this is an interesting take on that style. It seems like you can do a lot of things with it. You don't necessarily have to follow yeah, yeah, the yeah. guidelines exactly because the guidelines aren't clearly defined. And I think also because it's one of these old styles, there's a lot of interpretation in them. Anyway, exactly. depending on where your recipe came from and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So this one is very mildly acidic, but, you know, sort of 
you have to look for it a bit. Um, it, it became more apparent as it warmed up a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to guess acidulated malt. Yeah. Um, it and is, not much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see. So yeah, sort of like a like a, the hint of smoke, a bit yeah. of roastiness, um, sort of little bit of sweetness. Uh, very like rich. Um, I got this almost figgy quad thing going on, especially as it yeah, warmed up a bit. That was sort of my where I got the Belgian strong dark comparison from. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was really fascinated cool, yeah. by that beer. I sat on that for ages. Going, mm. Oh, this is changing. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. And um, I probably would say it was my favourite of the beers we had. Yeah, them. I um, think so as well. I was very impressed and it was really interesting and very nice too. And um, a lot of complexity for 6% because I think often they are a bit higher than that. Yeah, anywhere from sort of 9 to 15, I think mm. I've seen. Yeah, but for 6 it didn't really lose anything. No, no, it was a nice beer. Which is, yeah, very cool. Um, so I think the way we'll do it after that's sort of the main thing we wanted to, the main sort of beer that we want to talk about, and um, very cool, and I would like to see more Adam's beers and maybe this one in our future. Yeah, it um, is sort of the beer we would brew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we'll just run through the rest because they were very kind and they did a mixed slab for us. Yeah, so we got a mixed slab sent down. They had 12 beers in the fridge, so we got two of each. and Yeah, which is very cool. Very cool. Um, so I think we'll just we'll just run through them, say a couple of things. Yep, probably the easiest way. We've got quite a. There's eleven more. Oh, there are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're mid. Um, I it, it was a mid strength lager. I thought it was a pretty nice little lager. Um, it was clean. It was a mid strength. I yeah. have nothing bad to say about it, which I think is the biggest compliment that beer can get. Almost. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's it's definitely it is what it is. But if it's if it's pleasant, then yeah, that's about all you want. It's a big win. Like, it's the sort of beer that you would have in your golf bag. Yeah, nothing wrong with drinking 10 of those, I don't think. No. Nah. Um, Mandarin Nipa. I quite like this. I uh, didn't really look hazy. Uh, was sort of, malt was a touch weird, but uh, low bitterness, nicely juicy. Yeah, lots of citrus, um, which I'm guessing is the Mandarin. I didn't think it was distinctly Mandarin-y. Um, but it looks, ha- it looks less hazy than... Quite a few West Coast IPAs. Yeah, like, yeah. And it was perfectly clear the one I had. <laughs> yeah, I think I was pretty much in the ballpark, but um, it tasted good. Yeah, it did. I really like. I thought it was quite nice. Yeah, and that's um, I was honestly a little bit skeptical about just because I wasn't, I didn't know a lot about the brewery, and you're never sure about an Epa, but yeah, that was one of my favourite beers from them. I think. Yeah, me too. Uh, the. Uh, bucket pale, P-I-A-I-L, ale. Um, Good little play on words. <laughs> yep. Um, wasn't, didn't love this. Pretty bitter. Probably too Astringent. bitter. Yeah. Um, I think we'll leave it there and move on. <laughs> yep, yeah. That was, I think, the worst for me. Um, Vern's IPA, which I don't think I've had yet. I think it's still in the fridge. <laughs> um, floral, citrus, bit of bitterness. It's actually quite nice. Yeah, um, it does. It seems fairly well regarded, and um, yeah, based on their Mandarin Nipa, I would be happy to agree with that. Uh, well, it was th- hazier than the Mandarin Nipa. Yeah, <laughs> uh, big big purple dragon on the front of the can. Yeah, yeah, uh, cool little can design that one. Half a bucket is what it's called. Sorry, which was the other mid strength, uh, which was probably my least favorite. Um, that was pretty bitter from memory. Yeah, probably too bitter for yeah. uh, the mid strength kind of thing. And yeah, wasn't super fond of that. But I like that they have two mid strengths in their lineup. Um, nice well, little. When you got variation. twelve on the go and you're in Kempsey, 
Yeah, that's true. Have a couple. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the lager, just a straight lager, which is a uh, Heller's. I like this. They say yeah. good sort of um, biscuity grain, some grassy bitterness. Very easy drinking. Yep, hundred percent agree. Don't really have anything to add there. I was pretty fond of it too. Uh, the wheat, so wheat was also good. Yeah, I thought. Um, you're like, not huge on wheat beers generally. I've come around a lot. I think mm. I would say that I like them quite a bit now. Um, ah, it's good. taken time though. <laughs> um, I think I just I just don't. I'm not a big fan of like. I'm trying to think. Just like really banana heavy, like crystal visons that don't really have a lot yeah. of body. Uh, they kind of just hit me in all the wrong ways. But I, I really like a good big heifer. So yeah. Well, this was clove forward. I thought, and it had yeah. banana there, but def- definitely secondary to clove. Yeah, and I, I do, I do like the banana, and um, I, I sort of like the little spiced notes. And this was yeah, just a nice little example of stuff. Easy drinking. Yeah. Again. Um and. Yeah, not a lot else to say. It kind of lives up to the simple name, I think. Yeah. Uh, The Black Lager, which I think I also haven't had yet. That's still sitting there, but I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I actually, I really like this. I think you'll like this as well. It's a nice sort of, it's a nice lighter dark lager, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. uh, It's definitely got sort of a... Monteith's Black kind of level. Yeah, yeah. So it's sort of got a little bit of a mahogany hue, um, chocolate flavours, a little bit of roast... Balancing grassy bitterness. Sounds good. Yeah, I, it I was. would definitely definitely get stuck into that. Uh, the hot dog chili lager, which is my least, the one I was least excited for. Yeah, chili lager. I was not looking forward to, but I had this. I think yesterday, and I was pretty impressed. Yeah, look, it's probably I didn't like it that much, but it's pretty easily the best chili lager I've ever had. Yeah, I thought it had this. Um, Almost a touch of smoke to it. Yeah, I got like toasted cumin seeds. Uh, uh, yeah. Toasted some I, sort of spice. I wrote yeah. caraway seeds. Yeah, some <laughs> sort of toasted spice note. It definitely reminded me a lot of like a toasted sort of spice. Yeah, um, there was something interesting going on there. I'd love to find out more if there is something in there or if that's just some weird byproduct of chili. Yeah, we might have to might have to send them an email or something. You know? So a couple of questions. Get an answer for that. Yeah, and with the atoms, ask him a bit about the atmosphere too, because I think it might be interesting. But yeah, uh, chili lager, I'm still remain thoroughly unconvinced, but that was a pretty good effort. It was better than that horrible one that used to be at Dan Murphy's with the chili in the bottle. Yeah, which is possibly the worst beer I've ever had. Yeah, look, it would take some beating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the two that we have had this evening, so we both had the Hilltop Ale, which is nice. It's a nice modern Australian pale ale. Um, maybe a little bit too bitter for me for the style, but really nicely fruity, nice little bit of wheat in the body. Um, sort of yeah. like a throwback to an American one, like seven or eight years ago, with a you know a fair whack of bitterness for a pale, mm, but still nicely kind of fruity as well in that yeah. Australian pale kind of mould. Yeah, um, fair bit of passion fruit, bit of citrus of some description. Outside of the lagers, this is probably the one that I would give to people the most readily and say, hey, try this. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's very modern Australian kind of style. Yeah, I, I like it quite a lot. Like, it's a beer I'd buy again. Yeah, if I yeah if I saw a four or six pack, I would not hesitate to buy some. Not that I think we're going to in Melbourne. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, that won't happen, but theoretically. <laughs> um, if I'm ever in When Kempsey, I'm in Kempsey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Um, and the one we are having now, which is the final one, which is the coffee lager, um, which I was intrigued by. I like it. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. Um, it's really nicely balanced. Um, like they've got, yeah, the the coffee's not overpowering. Like it's there, but it's not dominating in the way that it can in such a light-bodied beer. Mm. It's almost just like an extra coffee-heavy like black lager. Yeah, well, I think this could well be their black lager, just with coffee. With coffee beans, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got this kind of like cold brew kind of thing uh, going. I mean, you, you've got to like coffee to like it. I think it is in the name, though, so you have no one else to blame except yourself if you buy this expecting something that's not a coffee lager. Yeah, exactly. Nice sort of black pour as well. Yeah, well, um, I think it, even if you look at the bottom, it's got a bit of a red tinge to it. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, not quite black. It's a yeah. nice dark pour, so but like nice head and stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's a nice beer. Like, yeah, I'd happily probably wouldn't drink multiple of these, but like if I felt like a coffee kind of beer, this is ticks all the boxes. I think. Yeah. Um, and that about does it for the uh, deep dive on two bucket. But um, yeah, a cool little brewery. Really great to try so many different beers and uh, such a diverse array of styles. Yeah, awesome to be able to get 12 from a brewery. Like, you really get a good vibe of what's going on. Yeah, they, they clearly, like, have a big range and they're not afraid to show it, which is always a good sign. And Kempsey is not the sort of place I would expect to find that brewery. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know much about Kempsey personally, but... um, It's, it's interesting. <laughs> well, maybe we'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but thank you to the folks at Bucket for teeing that up for us. Um, yep, thank you very much. Um, hope you enjoyed what we said about your beers. Yeah, yeah. Hope it didn't um, come off as too negative. In, in the end, when you have twelve styles, it's going to be up and down, and I think overall positive. Overall, definitely positive. Um, I think the multi-year stuff's generally better, but yeah, but the the nice. hoppy stuff was probably better than I thought it would be. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, just because, as, as I said before, you just never know with smaller breweries and hoppy stuff. Um, but I thought they did it quite well. And the lagers, like, they're pretty adept at lagers, I think. Yeah, which is impressive in itself because there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of almost the biggest trick to pull off. Um, and I think, yes, yeah, so that just about wraps us up for that. And we'll be back to finish up with the ranking of lagers. We are back with the ranking of lagers. Every episode we take three, currently one. I should just change it to currently one with how long we've been in lockdown. And Uh, probably will be for the future as well. Yeah, uh, as it slows down, especially in finding new ones. uh, We take one lager and we slot it into a master list. Um, We take one from each country, basically trying to look for the most popular one, which I think we've mostly been successful with to date. I think we're doing pretty well. Close enough, I think, most of the time. Anyway. No one's complained. Yeah, there's a, there's a few non-negotiables that um, I think we're just going to take, so, yeah. Uh, the top five at the moment is Pilsner Urkel from the Czech Republic, Tenants from Scotland, Carlsberg from Denmark, Kilmers from Argentina, and Kingfisher from India, and the bottom five is Singer from Thailand, Red Stripe from Jamaica, Bintang from Indonesia, Vonu from Fiji, and Kus Kenya from Peru. Uh, it's been a little yeah. while since we've sort of made a change to those top top and bottom five. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Um, I feel like... I think Bintang was probably the most recent one to go into one of them. Yeah, either that or Singer. 
They'd be one yeah. of the two. Yeah. Um, and that either way, that feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, so, yeah, this month we have got Sisk. I assume that's how you pronounce it. Yep, close enough. If not, uh, from Malta. Yep. Um, so, they're from... Sisk is brewed by the Simmons Fask and Sisk Company. They were founded in 1928 in Hamron, which is just outside Valletta, the capital. Um, for the first 20 years of their existence, they only produced ales because they were only licensed to produce ales. It's weird to be licensed. Is that a storage thing for fermentation? or I'm not sure. Well, no, it won't just be for that because the Malta Export Brewery established also in 1928 was only licensed to brew lagers. Maybe it's like a market share thing. Maybe, maybe. Um, after So that was fine, though, because the British garrison was stationed in Valletta, and so they produced pale ale for the British garrison. Oh. British garrison has good taste. Um, in 1948, after 20 years of rivalry, the two breweries merged, um, and so and became Simmons, Fask, and Sisk. Um, they're a pretty big deal in Malta. As a company, they're the franchisee for Pepsi, Burger King, Pizza Hut, KFC. Oh, wow. They also produce Kinney, which is apparently the Maltese national soft drink, and it the only place in the world it's produced under licence is in Australia. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, apparently we have a very large Maltese population. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Kinney is brewed with bitter oranges and wormwood. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's that's. I would try that. That sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds like something I try as well, but I've never seen it. Yeah, and weirdly enough, you'd think you would have to go to a Maltese supermarket. How many of those are there? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently quite a few. If it's uh, being rebrewed in Australia, well, you more. would think so. Yeah, there's only half a million people in Malta, so you'd have to wonder how many people uh, made it to Australia in terms of population. Well, yeah, probably a few. Um, yeah. I remember, this is, go- this is quite obscure, but going back probably 15 years, the Maltese national soccer team came and raided the A-League because there were quite a few players with Maltese heritage. I was going to say, yeah, I, I do anecdotally you know a few people who have some Maltese heritage. Yeah, and it, it's people with very sort of English names, like John Hutchinson was one of them. Some, yeah. <laughs> so it's an interesting... I guess I, mean, I kind of don't know what a Maltese name would sound like. I mean, it's uh, it's like it's a weird North language, Africa, Mediterranean, isn't it? Yeah, Mediterranean. Like, it's a weird language. Mm. They have quite odd, um, like lots of cues and things like that. Okay. Yeah. But we're Honestly, getting a little off topic here. <laughs> yeah, just a touch. That's unlike us. Yeah, no, we've never got off topic before. <laughs> um, yeah, perhaps it's just to delay the inevitable macro mm. lager drinking. Um, but... Yeah, look, this this doesn't smell great, it doesn't look great. It tastes okay, though. It tastes better than it looks. Yeah. I think it's got... it's My first sip was I sort of recoiled, but it's okay. It's sort of corn-heavy. Mmm. But there's a little bit of bitterness, a mm. little bit of body. It's quite well carved. Yeah. I don't hate it. I just think, unfortunately, it's another one of those that's just going to slot somewhere inoffensive. In the middle. Yeah, but where in the middle is the question. Um, but, I, yeah, look, I, I don't have a strong dislike to this like I have with plenty of the other ones. Yeah, no, it's better than better than a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I won't say it's good, but... 
I don't think either of us are going to give it that that much credit. No. Um, shall we? Shall we go off air briefly? <laughs> I think we may have to. <laughs> yeah. These are the toughest ones that the line ball calls in the uninteresting areas. After some deliberation, we have decided it is going in at thirteenth, so just below Heineken and just above San Miguel. Uh, this is sort of just come around from a bit of a discussion. We clearly thought it was better than a couple of things underneath and weren't sure above it, and it just sort of feels right there, which is usually about when we decide that's fine. <laughs> you look at it and you're like, that sounds about right. We're pretty much bang in the middle of the ranking. It's about as hard to place as you can. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's almost like exactly in the middle. Um, and it feels like that. It's not a bad beer. It's not a great beer. Um, yeah, I, I'm quite happy with it there. Like, it's it's fine. <laughs> um, so, speaking of fine or great beer, depending on who you are, <laughs> um, for Wayne, we have Pabst Blue Ribbon, which gets in on... We sort of decided on the contract status. Um, which Wayne helped illuminate for us. Yeah, he did. Um, Wayne's email. Uh, where is it? Do, 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 do. I'll read this verbatim. Wayne's part about, in his email, about Pab's Blue Ribbon. While in Asia, I befriended an American from Chicago and his quotations most embarrassing beer ever made in the u.s was pab's blue ribbon i would be interested to see where that fits as it is now being sold in oz as a premium beer and you may doubt him but it is brewed by a tribe in australia it is which is it is baffling on multiple levels yeah i think it was brewed at cooper's for a long time and they lost that contract and tribe seemed to pick up everyone's you know, leftovers almost. I think this is the probably the third worst ranking I've ever given on Untapped. For the Pabs. Yep, so I'm keen to see how it holds up. That's um, fucking awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> that is so sweet. And um, yeah, no, look, good work. Uh, 2016, Dylan, you were right. This is not a good beer. It's still uh, better than Mango Magnifico, though. <laughs> that was that chili mango thing from Founders, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, mango cordial with yeah, raw Jesus. chili in it, if that's what you like. Which yeah, um, is the worst I've ever gotten untapped. Um, yeah, the, no, this is fucking bad. terrible, but we'll do the history because the history is almost interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, Pabs has a big global footprint, so let's we'll give it its due. Um, so Pabs started its life in 1844 in Milwaukee as the best brewing company. Um, it certainly didn't finish as that. No, no, it didn't. Um, Philip Best was a German immigrant, um, and Frederick Pabst, also a German immigrant, married his daughter. Um, Best retired to Germany in 1867, and Pabst and his brother-in-law ran it until his brother-in-law's death in 1889. Pabst became chairman and immediately changed the name to Pabst Brewing Company in 1890. <laughs> Uh, they claimed to win America's Best Beer at the World Columbian Exposition in Chicago in 1893, uh, which is where the Blue Ribbon part of the name came from. 
Um, this has been disputed by a number of contemporaneous accounts saying that they wished these sort of awards were issued at the exposition. But weren't actually. Like, yeah. Boy, it would sure be nice if we won a blue ribbon for this. Bit. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that was written, like they wished that, the, that there were awards in, at the exposition, but they weren't. So a bit of conjecture around that. Um, but from the 1890s, they actually tied blue silk ribbons to the bottles until the 1950s when it became too expensive to continue. That's very cool, though. I like that. Um, Pabst was the largest US brewer in the mid-1870s. Yeah. Um, their produ- production capacity peaked in 1977 after a significant downfall through the late 70s, early 80s. Um, they eventually left Milwaukee in 1996 uh, and became a contract brewery. Uh, it's been at Miller Coors for about 20 years. Nearly ended up in court as Miller Coors didn't want to continue brewing pabs. <laughs> Uh, is brewed under license everywhere in the world. Um, but despite all these things, still changes hands semi-regularly and was last sold for 700 million US dollars yeah, it's in still, 2014. It sounds like that it's, you know, oh, it's having a real tough time, but it's still a massive beer brand, we should be clear about Oh, it's that. enormous, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I must say that I like the packaging. It's like one of the most distinctly American-looking cans of anything around. It's instantly so identical. Yeah. Yeah. It is, to use an overword, overused word nowadays, it's iconic. Um, I think you could show Pab's Blue Ribbon to anyone without the words Pab's Blue Ribbon on it, and they could probably tell you the words. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it's not a, not a good beer, but it's, it is what it is. I think... So I think Pabst is what most Americans think. Sorry, what most non-Americans think Budweiser is. Um, yeah, they yeah. think of it as sweet soda water with a bit of beer flavour. Um, Budweiser is a pretty well crafted beer. It's um, beer. Yeah, this is very borderline. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's wet. Um, that's about as nice as I'm going to say about it. Yeah, there's just so little going on. There is a lot of sort of corn adjuncty sweetness. It's just sweet. That's the thing. It's just sweet. No bitterness. Yeah. Um, and I can't even say it's clean because it doesn't just taste no, a bit unbalanced. <laughs> yeah. It feels, this reminds me a lot of like what I thought when we had Bono. Who it's would just, drink this? That's, that's people who don't like beer, question. I think is the answer. And it's cheap. People who. You know, in America, it, it'd be cheaper than a lot of the alternatives and it doesn't quite taste like beer, so... I was about to say, it's not cheap here. <laughs> yeah, no. That's the thing. Uh, who would drink it in Australia is possibly a better question. Mm. Hipsters, I think, is the answer. Well, yeah, I think that is Ironic, Ironically drinking it. Um, I think it's and, like, drink... it's not even good ice cold. <laughs> like No, that's the thing. And in a can, too. And it's, it's not even that... You know, for a macro, it's somewhat... What's that, like, 17th? That's uh, January next year. So, like, it's not fresh, but it's not that old for macro. It's probably eight months old, which is way well in the time you'd expect it to still be fine. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, look, I can't I can't come to the defence of it too much. I will say that Tribe have done a pretty accurate recreation of it, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> mm. um, do we slot it into the list? I think we're going to slot it in as a contract. 
uh, and I reckon it should be last. Yeah, look, let's just do that. I don't like having Kuskenya last. <laughs> no, Kuskenya is a better beer than the one we had it's offered close, to us. It's closer to a beer. And, yeah, we don't really rank on that, but I think perhaps we can make an exception. Perhaps is a good baseline last beer, I think, as well. This is the beer that you should drink at 4am on New Year's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, when you can't taste anything. You don't want to taste anything. Mm. Just so... <laughs> Adding this in live on air. And there you go. We have a new last place beer. That's the first time we've done a live one for a while. Yeah. We haven't had one that easy in a while. Uh, but yeah. And that puts Singer out of the bottom five, which I feel better about. Yes. This this list looks more balanced and in general. Um, so thank you, Wayne. Um, hopefully you're not disappointed with our rundown. Uh, interesting little bit of history. So that's always good, despite the quality of the beer. And yeah, don't have much else to say about that. No, no, I have nothing other than that the rest of that's going down the sink. Yep. Um, had, there's too many beers in this podcast that I haven't drank all of that are sort of sitting half full in the kitchen to waste any more time on this. Yeah. But good to have confirmation because I haven't had a pubs in a few years. So it's nice yeah. to know. Yeah, so that. it's good to actually confirm those biases or yeah, yeah. thoughts and from before. We gave it a fair shake. Um, we... we Tried it, you know, in a sort of controlled environment. Nothing else around the edges. Yeah, exactly. So in the end, it's not one of those things where you just bought it, you know, after having a neeper and you throw it down like, oh, this is awful. This is after another pretty average macro lager. It's the perfect time to have it. And yeah, doesn't hold up. But hopefully what did hold up was this podcast. And as always, you can get in touch with us. Uh, Ang- uh, is it Angus? At beer it o'clock. is. Angus at beeroclockaustralia.com or Dylan at beeroclockaustralia.com. Check out the new website at beeroclockaustralia.com. Can I assume that's a yes? <laughs> yep. Um, and, yeah, uh, leave us a review if you'd like. Um yeah, all podcast platforms, chuck us a review. That helps. Yep. Um, and, yeah, listen to other beer podcasts that you enjoy. Support your local businesses at the moment, especially. And, yeah, just stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you in a month. Lovely. Thanks, Dylan. Thank you. Thank you.